Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 7 of The Flower Bombs. I am your host, Michael Flowers. This is episode 7. This episode is, is about clarity and stillness. The point of infinity. Time is like a freeway with an infinite number, infinite number of lanes. It's always been a trippy track, I guess I would say. I gotta give Pete Lobo the the uh, thumbs up for introducing me to that one. Did the Murphy Challenge today. It's Memorial Day. Hey, it's Flowers. It's episode seven of Flower Bombs. A little bit of information for you off the top end of this. This is the final episode of the Flower Bombs. Yeah, I said it. Been thinking about this for a while. There's been a little break in this process of me doing this podcast. But I am super excited to have found a space and a place that is kind of unique to me now, but it's comfortable because I know what it feels like. Um, Clarity. A sense of stillness. I'm an observer right now in my life. And anybody that's stuck it out through those first six episodes know there's been a, a big transition going on and that I just got done unpacking some things in episode six. And I, I do want to just say that there's, at my this point in my life, I'm 45 years old. Um, just celebrated one of my best friend's uh, birthday. Again, shout out Pete Lovo. Just had a birthday this past uh, Friday night. Again, it's Monday, Memorial Day. Uh, Michael Flowers sitting here in Los Angeles doing the Flower Bombs podcast, episode seven, last one. But I'm sharing a little bit of clarity today. And the reason this is the last episode of Flower Bombs is because I am moving into a different direction of just sitting in front of a microphone and spewing stuff that I think is cool for 30 minutes. <laughs> um, not, not that things are going to shift too much, but I just also want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing and that there's a purpose at the end of this. And what I have discovered in the first, um, I guess, say, couple months of doing podcasts with my friends and my pals. We've got Cali Country Podcast and Derek and Graham come over and we do that. And that's amazing. I love that. This has been a little bit of self-reflection and to find some clarity and a sense of calmness in my life recently has put me in a place of observation. And that place has given me a framework or a platform or I don't know, a patio to sit on and and look at what I am doing with my time and the time that I'm spending with myself and others. And I have to judge, make decisions, I'll say, and choices 
based off my intuitions or my experience or the things that I'm seeing and feeling at the time, right? We all do this innately. It's not like, yeah, we're human, right? <laughs> Flowers and lightning. No, it's just that I've come to a point where um, three and a half or so months into this shift away from structured life, working for corporate American medical device cells into really kind of freelancing for myself at the moment, um, have found a sense of calm. And I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> is that a, is that ironic? I don't know. Um, it's definitely fun. And as as a lot of as a lot of the things that um, I've talked about in the pe at the previous episodes, I, I start with the who, what, when, where, and why. And 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 right now, this is getting just real easy for me because um, what's happening is I'm going through a shift, and it's me. And um, it's really just it's happening right now in my life. But the why I think is starting to be a little bit more uh, visible, and there is a, a little bit of a light at, there's a little light coming on and I'll, and I'll, and I'll stop there because I wanted to look up some quotes, some things that I thought would kind of hit home to where I was at and try to share that through maybe some other people's quotes. I found this one from Tenzin. I'm going to mess this up. Um, Priyadarshi, Priyadarshi. Tenzin Piradarshi. And the, and the quote is this, if there is no stillness, there is no silence. If there is no silence, there is no insight. If there is no insight, there is no clarity. And silence kind of seems like a luxury these days because we're constantly interrupted in our waking and our sleeping life by people, machines, phones, random noises, helicopters. I live in Hollywood. Even when we spend time alone, relaxing in my backyard, a lot of times we have the phone on or you know, we may even be brushing our teeth. We've got a device and the television is playing or there's something streaming around us just fracturing our attention. A lot of it's passive, right? So we get it from other directions. And some of us consider this a low level or not such a low level of sound to be the modern day version of quiet and stillness. It's not. What we lose in all the noise is the clarity. And that's why I really love this quote, because if you can't find enough time to quiet and focus on what you need to do for yourself and others for the day, then your approach to everything you're doing is going to be a little muddled and you're going to kill the ability to be proactive and strategic and the best you can be like your best self or the best version of yourself and not a clumsy reactive type of person. The antidote for anxiety and stress is preparation, really. So you can be prepared. You have a plan, but you can't think or prepare or come up with a plan unless you think clearly. And so clarity comes from insight. Insight comes from silence. Silence comes from stillness. Like I said, this is about clarity. Fortunately, even in the noisy world, we have our phones and headphones and, and Bluetooth and things like that. There's plenty of opportunities to make time for yourself to just be silent and be still. You don't just find it. You have to make it. 
I spend, this is a, it's something I have kind of expanded even um, since I, I don't have more of a routine, but I spend approximately an hour a day on a park bench. I'm that dude. And part of that time I'm on my phone. Most of the time I'm playing, I'm with my dog. She's hunting squirrels. <laughs> Let's be honest and having a great time, but I'm just listening and using all my senses and just trying to be still as much as possible and not be on my phone, but also be in my head enough to where I don't go down any other path, but positive assumption and spend time observing things from a positive assumption place. Right. That's, 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 that's kind of where I try to find the stillness to find my clarity. Right. You just, you can't resist. I mean, if you find yourself in resistance of rising up every, every thought that you have of trying to go meditate, or if you have like, I'm going to go and just try to chill myself and it, and it just freaks you out, then that's when you have to stop and think about it. What are, do you need to check your apps or can, can you go sit with yourself and, and still your mind for a minute? Yoga is really good at that. Meditation's great at that. Shit. I live in LA and Hollywood. There's all kinds of stuff you can get into. One of the things that is also prevalent in this point of my life where I have found a little sense of clarity, and let's think about it in a timeline. It, it's Memorial Day today. This has been a wave coming over me the past seven to 10 days. Um, let's see, last, it'll be a week. Oh man, yeah, two weeks almost. Okay. But it reminded me of one of my favorite books from one of my favorite authors, although I need to go back and dig into some recent stuff, which is um, the author is Malcolm Gladwell and the book is Tipping Point. Tipping Point is um, about how little things make a big difference. It was his first book. I think it was in 2000. Uh, yes, it was. It was first published by Little Brown in 2000. Gladwell defines a tipping point as the moment of critical mass, the threshold, the boiling point. And the book seeks to explain and describe the mysterious sociological changes that mark everyday life. As Gladwell states, ideas and products and messages and behaviors spread like viruses do. The examples of such changes in his book include the rise in popularity and sales of hush puppy shoes in the mid-1990s and steep drop in New York City's crime rate after 1990. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> uh, that's the Wikipedia definition. But... The, the law of a few, as Gladwell um, writes and, and states, is that success of any kind is kind of a social epidemic and it's heavily dependent on the involvement of particular people in a place, in a market, and that have a rare set of gifts to make a shift um, when, they're, when the timing is right. And that was his point in the book where they had these hush puppies, the kids walking through um, Times Square in the night in the mid 1990s. Um, they were trying to change crime rate. It just looked different, right? But it looked safe, and it it was it was just a perception of shoes. But it was acknowledging and going back and 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 his. He's got a podcast out called The Revisionist History, I believe. I've just started getting into it. Um, it's going to be amazing because I've lost my way from him. But the uh, point being is, is there is a tipping point to, to a lot of projects or 
things in your life that you're probably doing right now that you're searching for and waiting for or think that you have a plan towards, but most of the time you're just probably gonna feel it. That's what I'm going through. I feel it, right? Um, I, it's like something's, something's happening. Everything seems to kind of be calmed down. And I can get by through my day very differently as an observer. Malcolm Gladwell's got a lot of books. A uh, list of his books can be found, geez, anywhere. The Tipping Point, just mentioned. Blink, which is my personal favorite. Um, Blink is the power of thinking without thinking. And this is this is um, followed the tipping point and he redefined how we understand the world around us. In Blink, he revolutionized the way we understand the world within. Um, it's about how we think without thinking and choices that seem to be made in an instant, like a blink of an eye, because you can have a, it actually, they aren't as simple as they seem. Some people seem like, like brilliant people and other people seem kind of inept. It sometimes just comes down to their innate feeling to go with the gut instinct instantly and trust in it and move forward. I love Blink. It was one of my favorite. I think it is my favorite. But then again, like I mentioned earlier, I've lost my way. Then, so I, I, have, I stopped at David and Goliath. Uh, so he's got some other stuff. So he's got The Outliers. I uh, was just having this conversation with Graham Bond the other day. He just read that. Wasn't his favorite book. Um, I'd say it's number three for me. What the Dog Saw and Other Stories, I think, was the what was finished that. And then David Goliath, My Ideal Bookshelf, um, and some other things. He wrote for... I'm not mistaken, The New Yorker for years um, and then became a best-selling author uh, right around 2000 when he wrote The Tipping Point. Um, point being, one of my favorite social psychology uh, writers, he's also got a podcast out now called Revisionist History. Please go check it out. To stay in the frame of the conversation now is The Tipping Point where there is just a conglomerate of a few things that push something over the edge and something happened to me and i'm going to finish this first half of this episode with this something happened to me about um two weeks ago it was on a tuesday and had a, had, a, had a great day planned um had some things set up with 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 some uh creative people and i knew going in that that there was a lot going to be a line in the sand um, for some AM stuff, and it was going to kind of bleed into some later stuff. And what happened was really just truthful and honest. And it took a little bit of poking and prodding for the people involved in that situation to become open and share and expose is the word I will say. But once things were exposed, I became very clear and very calm because it was just a moment of clarity in which I remember taking a step back and becoming very still and listening, taking some notes, giving some feedback and processing and knew that I would process it later because of what had happened, but I had innately felt it. And I knew that was the tipping point. It made the afternoon to quote someone else confusing, but not to me. 
It was super clear. Moving on. And that's the first half of episode seven. Flower Bombs. I'm your host, Michael Flowers. Please stick around. Got the pack half coming up. Hey, welcome back. It's Flowers. It's the back half. It's episode seven. This is the final episode of Flower Bombs. And I say that with as much excitement as I can really put into it right now. Clarity and stillness. A sense of calmness. And I started out the first half with this quote. I think I'm just going to do it again. If there is no stillness, there is no silence. If there's no silence, there is no insight. And if there is no insight, there is no clarity. Tenzin Priyadarshi. Silence is not a luxury. But it seems like it is these days. We're always interrupted. We have to make time. Talked about the tipping point. Man, I mean, I love, I love Gladwell. Admittedly, going to um, dig into the revisionist history, take note of that. But what I also wanted to start this back half with is about waiting for the perfect moment. And I've, I've heard in conversations a lot recently, whether it be at the gym or in conversations with friends at the bar or at dinner or hikes or wherever, man, I'm just so busy. And so I, I'm sick of hearing the word busy. And, and I'm going to start out with just a little bit of angst and, and I'm sorry that I, but I'm sick of hearing the word busy. We're all busy. We could all come up with about 10 or 20 reasons why we're so busy right now and talk about it. Congratulations on being busy. What I want to talk about is interaction or connecting and not being too busy. I've fallen into the trap myself. I, 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 man, I have a lifelong friend, I mentioned him earlier in the, in the podcast, Peter Troy Lovo, one of the most stoic men I know. Um, he's a good man. A creative guy. Man, we got a show coming up in Oklahoma City, July 27th. Shout out to the Speakeasy, 51st Street Speakeasy. Got a, got a show coming up in Oklahoma City. I'm stoked about it. Anybody that's listening to this. But man, let me, point being, there's no perfect time. You're always going to be busy. You're never going to find the sweet spot. Don't wait. The time's never going to be just right. Start where you stand and work with what you got. You're going to come up with better tools as you move along down the path. It's just... If you're thinking that there's a best time to take action, flowers, if you think there's a best time to take action, then you're wrong, bro. There's never a perfect time to launch that project, spend time with your family, write the book, change your habits, embrace a new habit. Once you acknowledge this, 
you're going to get a lot more meaningful work done every day. I found a quote from Jordan Belfort. The only thing standing between you and your goal is the bullshit story you keep telling yourself as to why you can't achieve it. I'm too tired. I don't have the time. I'm not capable. I'm too busy. Someone else is going to have to do it. It's too late. It's not the right time. I'm not talented. I'm not ready. I'm too scared. Nobody's going to help me. What if I don't? What if I find I'm not motivated enough? Somebody else. I'm not lucky. It's easy to come up with excuses and justify a lot of the reasons to not get started. The longer you fill your head and, ra and rationalize the empty excuses of I'm too busy ish type things then the last time you have to actually take action it's easy to say that stuff words are easy to say i'll start when i when i have more experience or i have more money or i have more time or i have more resources or i'm done with this or i'm done with that or next by this time next month or next year i'll have a lot more excuses it's a cycle man it's it's the same thing we talked about i think I think in, in with negative assumptions, the teamwork episode, because it's like gravity. If you are a negative assumption type person and you're always waiting for that perfect moment, then that's a trap. And I think I fell into that at times. And if I were to stop and introspectively look at myself as I try to talk into my microphone and connect with you people, that's why I quit my job, February 15th. It's Memorial Day. I'm three and a half months into this. I'm connecting new and different <laughs> neurons every day. But I'm trying my best to actually understand the process. That's the meaningful part to me. And I don't have any more excuses. I can't say I'm too busy. I don't have the job. I create my own life. I am in charge of myself and I have no more excuses. So when I have conversations with people that get me into a negative headspace and negative assumptions, it's so easy to get, it's so easy to see. The trap is there. And sometimes they may or may not know it. It's either premeditated or it's not and that's when i start to get into this sense of clarity wow let me take a step back and just observe how we are talking sometimes it's it makes it more of a casual conversation and i'm not saying to dumb down the conversations because i had this conversation with my, i i talked with my sister about this topic the other day is that i may have been dumbing down my conversations recently with some people just so i could observe rather than push forward it was a tactic it was a tool right because i wanted to make sure that i was creating a timeline to be able to observe and have some patience there is no excuse i ain't busy i just need some time right so sometimes those conversations during that timeline there's plenty of stuff to talk about but you're tiptoeing around and just planting seeds. Hey, what about this? Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, let's let's circle back to that. Can we circle back to that? Let's circle back to that. No, no, no. Okay, cool. There's never a perfect time to get started. Outliers are the ones who seize opportunities and run with them. Be proactive. People who realize how little time they have and are driven to make the absolute most of it, those are the ones who really live. 
Studies are always showing that when we look back on our lives, the most common regrets that we, that we have as older people are the risk that we did not take. One of the many regrets that people describe are the regrets of inaction, not taking action, not being proactive. Some of the most common also include not being more assertive, failing to seize the moment. Often when people reflect later in life the things they did or didn't do that they have the greatest despair about or the fact that they did not seize the moment. Got to get past the big hurdle. Get started now. Take action. Be proactive. I want to move right into this. It's five ways to calm the chaos. This is a quote from the Huffington Post. It was published December 7th, 2017. The author is Jackie Woodside. Talking about busy as the new rich, right? We've come, to, we've come to equate being busy and overwhelmed and living in chaos with the notion that I'm important and I matter. It feels like a fast moving stream and we're unconsciously being swept away. Life is so rich. It's stimulating and amazing and opportunities and activities are everywhere. It's like being a child at the carnival. Where everything looks exciting and inviting. That's the first part of the story. It's amazing. It's a great setup. Please go back and check it out. But I want to just touch on the five specific points that he makes. One, manage your energy, not your time. Time management is the biggest misnomer ever. How are you going to manage time? If it moves according to regard of your opinion, right? It's, it doesn't really work like that. Everyone has the same allotment. 24 hours each day. You can't manage your time. You can manage yourself and your personal energy. The next four ways are to calm the chaos. We'll show you. Number two, shift your focus from all that you have to do or the content of your life to who and how you want to be or the context of your life. The things you have to do in the life are endless. You're going to die with things that you still have not done. Once you've made your final passage, someone's going to have to deal with your belongings. Wash your clothes, get rid of them for you. Instead of frantically running around trying to get it all done, focus on the context of your life and what you care about and what you want to be what you want to contribute and how you want to feel. Number three, inhabit your days. Yeah, be in the experience of your life. Feel what you're feeling. Think about what you're doing, not what you have to do or what you wish you were doing. In an instant, you start to become an observer. Inhabit your days. Be in the experience of your life. Number four, say no more. The amount of options and choices in front of you at any given moment is staggering. It's enormous. If you say yes to everything, you will be saying no to your peace of mind and your stillness. So maintain a yes to life attitude while consciously choosing where you're willing to commit your energy and time. 
Number five, operate your days with a plan and have that plan reflect your value. Research shows that people are happier when they're actively pursuing meaningful goals. In fact, they're happier while pursuing a goal than after they achieve it. So what does that tell you? You were born to grow, develop, and expand. If you're not planning your life, someone else is surely going to do it for you. You end up living your life by default rather than with intention and design. Since the richness of life and all its opportunities are not going to go away anytime, any soon, or what you got to change is how you perceive it, how you want to do it. And a shift to perception can open new doors and be the, the guide or the light to new purpose or new productivity or a new situation or a new goal or a new project or a new thing or a new photo opportunity that you want to take from the top of a mountain, wherever you got to go stand. Lastly, I want to end with the Harvard Business Review. It's called How to Handle Stress in the Moment. It's all one. It's five years ago. It was published in November of 2014. And they talk about um, how to reduce stress at work, what the experts say, identifying your stress signals, um, talking yourself down, taking three deep breaths, some very cool, um, I guess, tools that you can use, right? Make a list, project an aura of calm. But what I really liked was the do's and the don'ts. And they had just three quicks of each. The do's. Identify what your psychological signs of stress are so you can work to alleviate the tension. Counteract stressful situations by taking deep breaths. Do find someone whose judgment you trust who can listen and provide counsel. Don't. Forget the reason you feel stressed in the first place. You're being asked to do something important and you want to succeed. Don't let the negative voice in your head spiral out of control. Talk to yourself in a logical and gentle tone. Don't project your stress onto others. Speak in a calm, controlled way. And others will too. And when I read that, it's what brought me to what? I wanted to close with today is if you can get a sense from others around you that you're not calm and controlled and you're projecting stress onto others, you're not seeing what's happening. And it sometimes takes at great personal risk whether it be monetarily and economically, personally, it could affect you emotionally, psychologically. It can impact relationships you have with certain people. You may have to go off the grid for a while. You may not be able to communicate with some people for a while. But you have to manage your stress. Because once you can project and speak in a calm and controlled way toward others, and your mind is the one guiding the process, 
the sense of clarity and stillness has arrived. And I can tell you right now, in my life, where I'm at, the rambling of flower bombs is done. It's been fun. Manic flow's taken over. And I'll be with you again soon. But I found a sense of clarity and a calmness. And I've become an observer of my life. And I hope that I am projecting within as much of the interpersonal dynamic situations I'm in, I'm hope that I'm projecting a sense of confidence, a sense of calm, controlled being. And what I'm going to share with you finally today is that if you're looking to make a step or a leap or a, a move in a direction, sometimes it costs a lot. It could be at great personal risk. It could cost some relationships. But when you find a sense of calmness and stillness and clarity in your life, and they come multiple times in your lifetime, and when you know what that feels like and you see it and you know it's coming over you, you feel the wave. Man, I'm going to enjoy this. So I'm going to take some time. This is the last episode of Flower Bombs. It's episode seven. I'm your host, Michael Flowers. Thanks for sticking around. Don't go anywhere. Manic Flow is coming back to take over. One love. Peace them out.